Hey, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of Red Pill Your HealthCast. My name is Dr. Charlie Fagenholtz and here with Lauren Johnson, FMP. And we got another Q&A episode. We re- I, I feel like we've said this the last couple episodes, but these are so efficient. They're so fun. They're good conversation. And we basically go off of what most people ask uh, on Instagram. So uh, let's start off this week. We get this one all the time. Lauren, you and I were just talking about it. The stomach virus and stomach viruses that go around. What is the first thought that would come to your mind? Well, there's just their guts erect. They're not able to fight off the typical offending. I mean, because we are exposed to, there's not just like a few viruses like that go around. Like you hear about rotavirus, you hear about these different viruses, or you hear about RSV, you hear about flu, you hear about COVID, but yep. it's not that we're just exposed to those viruses. There's about, there's probably millions of viruses, tons, bacteria, and it's all about this like balance and this like orchestra of these microbes. And if something's off, you're going to be more likely to have to deal with some, some issues. And so this recurrent stomach bug thing, it just tells me there is something off in the body. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's uh, some dysbiosis, probably some chronic gut infection, maybe some immune um, deficiencies, um, maybe some gut barrier issues. And so, um, yeah, my first thought is maybe even just start with like a little megaspore, um, mm-hmm. something like that, um, or Mirinda to help clean out the gut a little bit. And a yeah. gentle way. what are your thoughts, Charlie? Yeah, I think that you're spot on with that. Um, we, we have to ask the deeper question. If, if you have, if you get the stomach flu or stomach virus and it's one and done, like, okay, but if it's a, a reoccurring thing, now you got to really look at the immune system, uh, imbalance and, you know, we live in a society that we're so TH2 dominant from a standpoint of we don't get good sleep, our stress hormones at an all-time high, we're, we're bombarded with EMF, um, we're, you know, we have a lot of estrogen uh, components, xenoestrogens, and hormonal imbalances, which further put our immune system into a state of not being able to fend off viruses, bacteria, and fungus. And so I think that's a really important piece. I think EMF is a huge one. Uh I think that's the constant distress signal in our environment, uh, along with pesticides. But I think EMFs even more because you can be in the inside of your home, no glyphosate anywhere, and and you have uh, Wi-Fi on, or your neighbor's Wi-Fi, or multiple neighbors' Wi-Fi. And so, I think that's like the deeper question. I like how you said, you know, mega spore. Uh, I do like spores. I think there's time and place for them. Uh, I don't take them all the time, but if the gut is weakened, you know, it's something that I would definitely look into. Um, I like how you said Mirinda because it's it's a gentle, non-bitter tasting herb. You can mix in juices or whatever you want to do for your kids that that is broad spectrum. Um, and then what I usually say for for stomach viruses, you know, I, I like Takasumi. I like uh, right during it. Yeah. 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 During it. I like to do a binder like that. And I like Takasumi better than charcoal. The reason why is because Takasumi, um, you know, absorbs EMF and also is a trace mineral uh, source. Whereas charcoal, you know, I find charcoal does better with food poisoning. Um, not not saying it does better than Takasumi, but like when people are like, hey, can I use charcoal? These are the instances that I, th- I think of charcoal is, is generally like a food poisoning or um, really a high histamine reaction to foods because it does help dampen the histamine so does takasumi um so you can use them interchangeably in those moments but when i start thinking of things like emf and chemtrails and glyphosate i think way more of 
uh, bamboo, which is Takasumi, more so than charcoal. So a lot of people ask that question too. I, um, but, yeah. I love that you said that about Takasumi. And I just want to say that from the old school mold people that they give charcoal as their binder long-term. I think that that is something that is risky because we are depleting nutrients with charcoal yeah. long-term. So charcoal is great. You said during food poisoning and we're yeah. talking acute uses. So yes. even if you use it for the stomach bug, it's an acute use. It's not yep. something you're doing for weeks on end or months on end. And so Taksumi, I think they have tested it to see does this deplete minerals if you give it every day, even for months. And it doesn't, it didn't. Yep. Um, yep. and so that's something to really consider is that's a good binder to have on hand. I love charcoal too, for different reasons, but I would say, um, I tend to go more towards Taksumi anytime I need, like yesterday, my daughter got another palate expander place and I use Taksumi because it binds heavy metals too, binds yep. EMFs. It binds, um, it helps with histamine. It helps with some ammonia, um, yep. and it's a good mineral source. And so totally. the only thing about either charcoal and Taksumi is you do need to give it away from other supplements. And so, yeah. um, Taksumi, you can give like 30 minutes before other supplements. Yeah. 30 minutes before or 90 minutes after is what the bottle yeah. says. Yeah. So yeah. that's just what, it's just something to keep in mind with kids. And like, you don't want to give it like with a meal either, um, because you don't want to yeah. bite at those nutrients either, but like, it's a great one to have on hand just in general. So Taksumi, Mirinda is a good, like gentle anti, um, herbal, and um and then maybe a little mega spore if 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 it's a baby maybe mom take a mega spore uh, maybe even just a little bit um or like a sprinkle on the breast yeah. um maybe once or twice and that should help yeah and then um some other antimicrobials for flu obviously we talk about elysium mm-hmm. for influenza i've seen it work for stomach flu as well um awesome. it's really good for an anti nausea uh, it is my choice of anti-nausea uh, herb during pregnancy, actually. Um, and uh, I, you know, there's a few different ones that that we use for acute viruses. And I think that we can just lay those out here. So Elysium, I think, of influenza. So, it, you know, influenza A, B, and stomach flu, it's good to have on hand. Common cold, I think Wode Supreme. I think Wode is phenomenal. Um, you, you know, you can use it for covid Use it for so many different acute viruses. You use it for chronic viruses too, uh, but just common cold. My first thought is woad, and then the one that I've been talking about a lot recently, just because so many people can take it. Um, I've used it with pregnancy, breastfeeding, kids, adults, everybody is olive leaf, mm-hmm. and olive leaf will go after chronic viruses like Epstein Barr, Cytomegalo, Parvo nineteen, um, all the um, hepatitis virus. Uh, all of that, but it will also do acute viruses and stomach viruses and things like that too. So I have said that if I had to choose any one herb to have in my medicine cabinet at any time for infections, I go with olive leaf. Yeah. And that's a, that's a gentle one too. That one does say not during pregnancy and breastfeeding. So, you know, yep. I know Charlie says that he, he uses it without issue, I don't think yep. I would have any major concerns about that um, personally, but you know, we always talk to your healthcare provider, of course. Yeah, I I um, have a a gut feeling that that is going to be taken off the bottle in the next year. A That's gut feeling. I, I like those gut feelings. Yeah, I have a gut feeling just because it it is it's so good. I mean, obviously, if you're you know you're sensitive to olives and the olive tree and things like that, well, you can maybe. always be sensitive. If you're sensitive to bamboo, if you're, I Correct. mean, you can always be sensitive to something. So if something doesn't agree with you, then don't take it. Yep. Um, you know, that's like, 
just because something is good for most people doesn't mean it's good for you. And so always listen to what your body is telling you. Yeah. And we're trying our best to give you solutions instead of just giving you the issues without solutions. But, you know, I, we talk about here, I severely emphasize it in my membership where it's, this does not replace somebody who's testing you and your journey with that doctor, but this gives you the knowledge through that journey. But it also, if you don't have access to someone like that, uh, then this is what we find helps most people. And we emphasize most because it's not everybody, but uh, you know, it's a, it's a good chunk of folks. And I do want to say, if you are having some recurrent stomach bug issues, also consider your environment uh, mm. or any type of recurrent issues. Like one thing I would consider is I know most people, they're like, we have got to disinfect everything as soon as you get mm-hmm. the stomach bug. And I, I get that. And you should clean. Yeah. But if you are consistently using like mass disinfectants, like Clorox on everything, the microbes in your environment are messed up. Yeah. And that allows more of a breeding ground for bad stuff. And so I would say... You know, I use, well, I use Thieves Cleaner. I've used that for many years. It's just easy. That's what I use. Branch Basics is great. I think that's what, is that what you all use? Yeah, we use Branch Basics and we also use um, Thieves Laundry Detergent. Yeah. Um, And I I love that. And I love, uh, and Force of Nature is another one. I've not used it myself. I will eventually get it and I'll tell you what I think. But that is one that is more of a disinfectant that's better for you Mm. and your home. But I still would treat it as a disinfectant and wouldn't use it daily. Um, and so it's just important, like, okay, like in the kids cups, are there antimicrobial stickers on it? Well, maybe you shouldn't get that one. And and so, cause they don't need antimicrobial everything. We need good things hanging around. They've actually done studies on that where a massive use of disinfectants is leads to obesity. And we know that that affects the gut microbes. And so just really, um, consider that, um, and consider the foods that you're eating, the lifestyle. I know we all lot, we talk a lot about supplements and herbs, because people want that. People want the the, the steps. Like, what do I do? But yep. they, but it's we don't want to discount the foundations and that really are important too. Totally. I'm glad you said that. Before we move on to the next question, uh, because I made a point of that in my the latest Hashimoto's video in the membership is and in the last since 2020, I have seen more Hashimoto's cases than you know. That's let's see. That's four years. I've been in practice ten. So in the previous six years before that, um, I've seen, seen more Hashimoto's cases in the last four years than all of the previous six years. And one of the biggest things, obviously, besides vaccines and spike protein, which triggers autoimmune issues, right, is, is this obsession with sterilization of our environment and all these hand sanitizers and having to do Lysol everywhere, that depletes your microbiome. It makes your microbiome sterile. And now your immune system is no bueno. And you're, it's going to start making uh, some bad decisions, so to speak, because there are toxins that are creating this bad breeding ground. And remember, the body doesn't make mistakes. You have to look at what is affecting the body to make the body go haywire. And sterilization is one of the biggest triggers in the last four years of all autoimmune, but the most common is Hashimoto's. And I would also add um, another common antimicrobial that we can't always control is glyphosate. Totally. Um, and so pesticide use and you know buying organic whenever possible 
I know it's more expensive. I know the grocery bills are insane right now because I'm paying them to, um, I, I mean, I don't even want to tell you because I, I, we, we eat mostly at home. There is, yeah, we are most every single night at home and I, I know my grocery bill is higher and I'm thankful that we can afford it, but I'm telling you, I know it's high and I, I know it stinks. And there was a time when I couldn't have afforded it and I just did what I could. Um, and so I would say to prioritize what you can, like there are certain, like the, the, I don't like the EWG for everything. I think the mm-hmm. EWG, the ratings, like for products that you can buy your rating. So don't trust that for products yeah. But for like foods. Like they have a clean and dirty dozen, um, like the clean 15 and the dirty dozen, um, the dirty dozen get, get organic, the clean get, if, if you, if you don't, if you, you know, just get, get the, the conventional, um, for processed foods, I really try to, it would try to minimize. You're probably going to spend less money if you don't buy as much processed foods. Yeah. Um, and if you talk to the farmer and you get meat directly from them versus from, you know, the middleman like Whole Foods or Kroger or whatever. So yep. just some things to consider is, um, but then also, you know, Glypho X is a good, um, glyphosate binder. Yep. Okay. Totally. Awesome. All right. So that was number one. Uh, the second question that we get a ton of is just low vitamin D. And we talked about uh, vitamin D in the last episode. And what we talked about about that was the levels of vitamin D and taking vitamin D if we're against it or for it. So if you haven't listened to that last episode, do that. But with low vitamin D, we have to realize that vitamin D lowers in the presence of inflammation. Mm-hmm. And that's why you will see you'll go down to the equator and obviously people who live along the equator have darker skin, uh, like in Africa, right? If they didn't have darker skin, they would burn like crazy. So that is just, uh, you know, adaptation of, of humans. And the thing that you'll see is if you test these folks who live at the equator, who have the strongest sun on the planet. If you test them, they're usually low in vitamin D, even though they're in the sun all the time. And yes, one of it is their skin is darker, but also if we're not really dealing with inflammation sources and inflammatory responses in the body, then you can keep supplementing and sitting in the sun and doing all that. And, and your vitamin D is just not going to, the ticker is not going to move. And so we have to realize what is affecting the vitamin D receptors. In my uh, experience, it's been uh, mold and viruses, especially Epstein-Barr loves to really attack that vitamin D receptor and, um, and then a bad gallbladder, which goes back to, again, fungus and, uh, diet and emotions and, and all that type of stuff. So which that's my two cents so on women. low vitamin D. Yeah. It's why you see so many women struggle with low vitamin D. I think it's because their gallbladder is a wreck. Um, yes. and that is because of birth control and oh, yeah. um, fungus after birth control and during birth control and other hormones. I don't know many women who have never taken birth control. I know they're out there and, and I love that you guys are out there and I wish <laughs> I was one of you, to be honest. Um, but there are most of us have because we were either forced it. I was put on it at 15. This is your option. This is what you can do. Um, right. and I was like, well, I don't want to deal with periods every two weeks, so I'll take it. Uh, having no idea that 12 years later, it would be, a, I would be a whole, you know, uphill battle for my health. And so I would say birth control, I would say birth control, gallbladder, uh, fungus, uh, living in mold, um, and just not having the capacity to deal with it. And so, yeah, I, I think that probably is it. Who doesn't have yeah. gallbladder issues now? It's so yeah. Funny. It's, I, I always say it's the most missed organ in medicine. Um, 
because it it ties in so many different systems of your body from your immune system now that you know through the vitamin d receptor your hormone system because it's how you process out estrogens mm-hmm. um i mean it's literally it's a it's phase three detox so you hear us talk about phase one and two detox which happened in the liver and all of that has to be dumped into the gallbladder to be excreted. And if the gallbladder is wonky, then that's the rate limiting step. And then you're no matter how good your liver is, it's just not going to do its job because the gallbladder uh, is going to be clogged. And then the liver is going to release the toxins into your blood. And now you're going to have toxins throughout your whole system, chronic inflammation, mm-hmm. your vitamin D goes down. Yep. Yep. And no. you're not going to be pooping because yeah. if your gallbladder is not working, you're not having that bile flow. I, you like that doesn't help either because then toxins are reabsorbed that way as well. And so that's right. Um, really need to be work at focusing on the gallbladder. We have, I think we have, I know you have a gallbladder video. Yeah. We have a gallbladder podcast too. I know I have a post on it. Yeah. We, we did do one. It's yeah. every episode. We're like, I think we did one. I think, I think we, we did, did this. One. I mean, well, cause now it's been a year and a half. Yeah. It's been a long time doing these. Yep. So watch those, listen to that, um, and see what you see what you take away from it. See what resonates with you, and then and then go from there. I I think you really can do a lot with your gallbladder, even with yep. medical medicine saying there's nothing wrong with it. I guarantee totally. you probably is if you think there is, and there's like a an, a, a, a an aching pain right here that they are like, oh, it's fine. There's probably something there. That's right. Um, all right, next one. Get this one all the time. X-rays at the dentist. What do we do? You want to start us off? Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. If I have a different opinion than you. I yeah. I don't. I, my kids haven't had that many. Um, they they really haven't. My girls are almost six and eight and a half. And my youngest just had like maybe her first one or second one um this past year and or this past uh, in November. And for me, it was really helpful because. I could see the way her teeth were coming in and that there was enough room for her teeth. And so, and, and of course you could see cavities too. Uh, my oldest yep. has had more. And the reason for that, she's had more dental issues, but she was my, like, I, my gut was a wreck when I was nursing her. I was taking beer last daily, like all these things. But <laughs> she was my one that's had, has some more trouble absorbing nutrients and all that. And so she, um, so she's had more, but she also had is at the age where we're doing palate expander stuff. And so she's had a little bit more that way. And my approach to it is I don't do it if it's not needed. Like, is it needed? Do we just have one? Um, do we we don't need one every single time? Um, right. Is there something that we're concerned about that, like, really should be looked at? Um, and then if you do get to it, um, then Taksumi Supreme is a great way to bind it up. Maybe give some vitamin C as well. Um, yep. or some iodine um and then or alaria supreme is a good whole food or a good like herbal way of getting an iodine source and then and then going from there what are your thoughts on it charlie i share the same uh thoughts and views as you um my daughters are about one my oldest is about to be four uh my youngest just turned one um and they have haven't had any x-rays yet mm-hmm. um but i think that they're you got to weigh the pros and cons. Like if there is a tooth issue, you know, the dentist needs to be able to try to see that. And so I think there's a time and place that I don't think, you know, my opinion is routine x-rays probably don't have to happen. But if there is an issue, like not many muscle testing dentists out there, not many frequency testing dentists. I'm very lucky that 
um, I have a good relationship with uh, my dentist and, you know, he came and took CRA and, and, uh, is, Oh yeah, that's yeah. great. Oh yeah. I forgot about that. Yep. So, um, they're out there. They're just very, very, especially muscle testing dentists, extremely limited. Yeah. And so I feel very grateful for that. Obviously that doesn't give the listeners a solution. Um, but what I would say is if there is an issue in the tooth, um, definitely, you know, if it's how deep is the cavity, you got to take an x-ray to really see that. Um, obviously if you can find someone who's using a cone beam scan, uh, that can really see your airway that can see infections in the jawbone. Like that's a very beneficial scan. Um, and that is more but, radiation though. The it, cone it, it is. is more radiation, but it was super helpful for my daughter I can yep. see her adenoids was large. I, it, her, if I look in her throat, and I've looked at tons of tonsils and adenoids, okay? I used to work urgent care, so I've looked at tons. Her tonsils don't look awful. But if I if you look at the adenoids on the scan, they're a little bit large. Now, we're okay yep. now, but, like, it, it it's something that you don't get to – you can't see through with the naked eye as well. And so totally. it is – Yeah, and so – again, you're not doing this all the time. You're using, you're doing it when it is, uh, appropriate. And so, so I am not against them, but here's some things you can do for them. And and one thing that I'll say is for x-rays, what do they usually drape on you? A lead apron. And so if you have a ton, there's a clinical pearl. If you have a ton of lead in your system, you do whatever oat test or whatever you're doing that has lead in there. Think about why the lead is there. It's trying to put out radiation. And so um, so there's a, a clinic pro with that. But uh, what else can you do? Because this, this non-ionizing radiation, right? And ionizing radiation will generate free radicals. And that's where Lauren said Takasumi, which I 100% agree. I think that is a great choice. Um, I like how she said Alaria because that is seaweed that has a ton of trace minerals and iodine and Back in Chernobyl times, right when that whole thing happened, iodine is what they gave, yeah. um, and and to help counteract the inflammation of radiation. Now, there's two more that I'm going to throw in there, um, and you can do any of these. You know, take what you want. Uh, that is more of, I'd say, Takasumi and Alaria uh, is going to be more of like the natural. Uh, not natural pharma approach, but more of like, here's the nutraceutical approach. If you want to do it more for your methylation, here's a different approach, which is kind of cool. And in your methylation, the nutrient that helps with radiation is molybdenum. And so that is circuitonic from Vervita. And then another one that helps is uh, the SOD, which is superoxide dismutase, which is a potent um, oxidant scavenger, like extremely potent. And so it is actually found in spleen, uh, oh. spleen tissue. So immune armor can help you with that. Or you can actually go straight to taking SOD, similar to taking straight glutathione, which I use biotics dismuzyme, which is in full script. Uh, so you'll see some people, functional med world will say, well, SOD is what I give for pre and post imaging. Um, and then you have Lauren and I who say we'd use Takasumi and Alaria. Uh, and then you have the methylation people who say, well, just take molybdenum. So it's like, you're going to hear all these different avenues and guess what? They all work. And so you can do, I mean, those are all bad to take to, you, you can take them all together. Yeah. Like it's fine. Now yeah, for sure. I will say sod is used with cancer. Yep. Tell me about sod with like, you would just do a one-time dose of it. 
Uh, you can do like if you're going to do a uh, an X-ray or an imaging, I would probably do like two, three days of it. Okay, interesting. Yeah, yeah, and it's um in the methylation technique that I've learned. Uh, that is like one of the, if not the most potent oxidant scavenger is superoxide dismutase. Interesting. And it's found in desiccated spleen, which is in immune armor. So interesting. Okay. So that was just another one for folks listening. All right. Next one. Get this oh, question. And I was just saying well. one thing, yeah. like it's what Charlie was saying with it being a routine use of x-rays. Like that's what you should question. You should question anything yes. that's just dumb because that's just the way we do it. We are all different beings. And so if you are, if your gut is to say, you know what, I think we're good, then, then probably go with that. Um, but, you know, if it's like, well, no, there's these like laid out reasons for this x-ray to be helpful for your child or for you, then of course go on and, and, and I would say, yeah. Um, yep. But healthcare is not like, you can't just copy and paste health for everybody. And yep. so we're all going to be different and we're all going to have different needs. So there, you know, I'm glad you you said that and st- and stop me from going to the next question because there's one thing that I do want to address. I feel like it's an elephant in the room for a lot of people, and the beauty of Instagram and social media is we can get this information out to you guys, and it can really help you and your loved ones in your health journey. But what I find is the people become addicted to this information, fear everything. And that mental mindset of fearing every little thing, like it's going to kill you and your child is just as detrimental to your health uh, as all the other stuff. Yeah. And so I I agree. This is totally an example of that, of, of like, if it's one x-ray every three, four years, not a big deal. If it's an x-ray every six months, That's when you, like, as Lauren said, that's when you start questioning. So like there's times where I'll post something on Instagram and I'll get a thousand DMs of, well, you know, that's related to this oil or that's doing this. And and this person says that I'm like, look, you are driving yourself insane. And one of the seminars that I did, frequency medicine seminars, guy who lives in Germany flew in and I'll never forget this. This Stay with me as long as, uh, as I'll live, honestly. I have the chills right now. You guys can't see, but because this is a moment where I'm like, wow, that was eye-opening for me, was there was a naturopath who was taking the course and she was very obsessed with staying away from gluten and the diet has to be pristine. And I'll never forget it. He looks at her and goes, your view on food is what's keeping you sick. Mm. And I'm like, Wow. Like I, I totally agree with her on how toxins and like if you're sensitive to gluten and dairy and nightshades and corn, egg, caffeine, whatever it is, like that's, a, you know, it's good to know and you want to reduce that inflammation. But if you are exposed to it and you're going to make yourself mentally sick because you were exposed to it, you're going to stay sick. And yeah. that when he said that, it was like a light bulb went off of like, wow, that this that was a big moment for me, at least. And, and I hope that people who are listening to this, that that also lands the same way it landed for me. And it's not too harsh for you guys. Um, but I think that has to be said. Would, would you agree with that, Lauren? I, I 100% do. I just had a question about this. And I didn't want this to seem like, um, like I was making fun of this question, but I was like, please, like she was asking about, do I test the stainless steel pots and pans for, mag- for to, if it's magnetic? And I'm just like, you know, like, we we could go this for the next thing and the next thing and the next yep. thing and the next thing. There is so much information on Instagram and people are saying a lot of things to get noticed and to get yep. a follow. And I get it. I, I I built a page before. 
but it is not, it is going to keep you sick. Um, you cannot heal in that type of state of, of, of fight or flight. Like you cannot heal. If you think the world is out to get you, then you will not heal. And you will, your health will eventually, like you'll start having more and more health issues. And so I, I 100% agree. I don't, even with like, <laughs> I don't, I am not like, I am not like 100% like strict about every single thing. Now my kids know like what we do and what we don't do, why we do things and why we don't do things. But I am not going to make them fear food. I am not going to make them fear going outside because there's people, there's planes flying in the sky that are, that are, that have geoengineering and cloud seeding or whatever. I am not going to make them fear this. And so yes. and I don't want you to fear that either. You're not going to heal if you do. I agree. Correct. And I want to carry this energy over to the in-person Trenches Nashville event in October. Um, I really want to make an optimistic, not the world is out to get us type of energy. And just know that we're all in it together, but we really need to have the correct mindset and not fear every little thing because that changes your immune system and your immune system follows your emotions. And so, yeah. All right. That was good. That. I'm glad we said that. I I'm so like glad we have, we're on the same page with this because like, I'm so tired of the holistic space. It yeah. is exhausting. Well, what do you think about this? Can you and Dr. Charlie respond to this one post? I get that question a lot. And I love you guys. <laughs> I love it. I so appreciate that you want my opinion and that I have this page and have the opportunity to give you my opinion. But it yep. is not good for your health um, to be like so concerned about what other people say about every little thing. Go with what gives you peace. Um, yes. If you feel that 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 pot that pot or pan is not not good for you, then don't use it. Of course, like d- yep. go, go get some new ones. But if it is stressing you out about using some pan from Amazon that is not good for you, then like, but you can't afford more, then just just don't care about it. Stop. Yep. Like say it's it. I am doing the best I can. And you Bingo. control the controllables, and what you think about is also a controllable. Bingo. I, I think it was uh, Jimi Hendrix, but I, for some reason that came into my head. It's probably not him. It's probably someone else. But the quote was, uh, knowledge is knowing what to say and wisdom is knowing when to say it. And that applies to the whole, what you just mentioned of, of did you see this one post? What are you going to respond to this? I'm like, I'm not going to respond to anything to that. Let people say what they want. And you know, you can take from it what you will. Uh, but it's creating too much stress for folks. So, yeah. All right. I don't even want to give airtime to whatever they're saying. Like, I just, Correct. Yeah. Next question. Get this one all the time is perioral dermatitis. Um, I will just, this one's going to be a, a quick answer for me. I treat it as parasitic and mycotoxin based. Um, so I will use black cumin oil from Vervita and Malia Supreme. Both of those are actually the natural versions of ivermectin. Um, and so that's what I find. I find spleen parasites and mycotoxins with perioral dermatitis, and those can be contributing to strep and staph bacteria if that's what is found, because those are the things that imbalance the immune system and are more of the deeper cause to that imbalanced bacteria. Thoughts on two things. Thoughts on mm-hmm. black cumin seed oil used topically, like diluted. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm all for it. Yeah. I, I, I'm just I, trying to think of things that like would help in the moment because it takes yeah. a while. Like it's, yep. gonna, it's not going to be like, but if it, if it's hurting or itching, that could be, or you can also do other topical things. Like, I mean, chamomile tea bags, um, or yep. roots some chamomile tea, dip the washcloth in there to cool it down and to help with the itching, um, things like that. Um, and then my second question was, what about food sensitivities with perioral dermatitis? Is totally. that, do you think that could be a factor? Yeah, I think so for sure. I think, um, 
I think food sensitivities really weaken the body. And I think they really, again, deplete spleen chi, mm-hmm. uh, spleen and liver chi. And um, I just find a big spleen component, you know, spleen, in, I guess in Chinese medicine, it does open up into the lips. So any type of lip issue is generally going to be spleen or, or around the mouth. Um, and then the stomach meridian kind of runs to the corners of it and then splits back. So stomach spleen's the same element in Chinese medicine, the earth element. And that is also your digestion. You know, spleen is uh, actually in Chinese medicine, it's more related to digestion than the stomach is. Uh, and their reasoning is that the spleen takes from the stomach and disperses the chi from everything or from that to everything in the body. So it's actually like they treat the spleen to heal leaky gut and to heal stomach issues, a lot of spleen stuff. So uh, definitely, definitely tied in in this case. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, that was the easy one. <laughs> Next one is uh, you were saying that you get this all the time, which I do as well as bloody noses. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about it. Um, I think it can be a couple of different things. Uh, well, it's never, I don't think it's ever just one thing. Um, and so for someone, and, and I don't think it's for it's the same for this, each person, for different people. So like it could be vitamin K deficiency for one, and it could be your environment for another, and it could be a mix of both uh, or, or a, a multiple things. So environment's a big one, especially if they start happening during the winter and like during when your furnace is turned on, mm-hmm. A, get your furnace like uh, fil- uh, the two, whatever, <laughs> all that cleaned out and that could be helpful. <laughs> I know. I don't know what I'm like. What a, clean out I'm the like, HVAC, HVAC system, system get get a duct cleaning and get put new HVAC filters on. Like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and that could be helpful um, because yeah. it could be that your body is your is sensitive to what it's putting out there because it needs to be cleaned. Um, it could be that it's dry air um, because the furnace and what the heat that puts out it's dry air, and so you might need a humidifier in your bedroom. And I think that that's a great option. I can link the one that I use in our bedroom. It's a stainless steel one where there's not a a risk of mold, and I absolutely love it because of that reason. Um, because a lot of humidifiers do struggle with like it's just hard to because it's it's heating up. It's hard to keep it mold free. Um, so yeah, what what other thoughts do you have? Uh, that's my same. I would say. Um... From a nutrient standpoint, the clinical pearl that I always learned in the functional med world is uh, bloody noses come from lack of calcium in the blood. Okay. So so low calcium, I usually do matrix synergy whenever there's a nosebleed and see if that stops it. Um, on top of that, I start thinking of fungus and mold. Anything in the sinuses, I really start thinking fungal. Yeah. And so... Similar to what you said about cleaning out your ducts when it's like winter time and you, you, people start thinking that, you know, it's it's the change in barometric pressure, which it can be. Don't get me wrong, because actually the ion flow in the air is regulated through calcium and potassium. And so a lot of times you have low calcium, then you don't do great with barometric changes. Um, however, uh, we we also don't think about, okay, well, what else happens during that? Well, we turn on the heat in our house. We turn on this in the house. And and if there is mold and spores uh, in the HVAC, as Lauren was, was mentioning, then you're going to be affected by that and you're going to blame the outside weather. So that's a big one. And then the last one I would say, which goes uh, along with mold because it makes it grow 600 times faster, is EMF. Yeah. Uh, kids who are on a lot of electronics, um, you know, Versendahl, pe- people who, uh, who might not know Dr. Versendahl, he started contact reflex analysis. 
Um, if you've been following me, you know about him because he was the person who just changed my whole world in thinking of medicine and and uh, most of what I, how I think comes from him. Um, but he had a story about a child who was uh, constantly wetting the bed. And to Versendahl, wetting the bed was always either parasites or mental stress. That was his two things. And I think that, you know, he said this 40 years ago. I think he's still spot on with that. Um, but he went to this patient's house and when he was muscle testing him, he found EMF and the child's bed backed up to a wall on the other side of the kitchen. And the other side of the wall was the refrigerator. Mm -hmm. And when the bed was moved to the other side of the room away from that, the child stopped wetting the bed. And I would say with EMF, two of the symptoms of, of that I find from that type of situation is bed wetting, but nosebleeds as well. So that's something to be, uh, you know, to consider. Yeah. And another one is if the wall is on the outside of the house, if the smart meter is on the smart meter. And yep, so totally. get a smart meter cover, do whatever you can to change the position of the bed. Um, there's paint that you can put on the wall to block the EMF. If your child is sensitive, if your child is not sensitive, I'm not telling you that you have to go do these things. Like I'm yep. telling you that if you find you're having issues and you they've tested sensitive to EMF, these are the steps that you can take if you feel like it is best for your child and for you and for yep. your home. Um, a couple more action steps for bloody noses is if that also happens in the wintertime, like coconut oil and like on a Q-tip, don't go high up in there, but just kind of swab the inside of it to moisten it. You can use other oils. Um, just You basically want to just moisten it. Um, up in there I, and coconut oil is like does have some antimicrobial property so that's not a, a yeah. bad thing obviously like i i think you know the fungal component of it especially if you know you have mold and they're having bloody noses maybe like sinus rinsing um yeah. that's a huge helpful thing and so to just be consistent with that and so that could be helpful too totally well uh i would say uh matrix synergy for the calcium and black cumin oil is my number two because yeah. black cumin oil is the number one supplement of any that I would try over anything. Um, it's anti-mycotoxin. It actually rebuilds your blood and is antioxidant against EMF, which is another Versendahl clinical pearl. Um, so I would definitely try Matrix and black cumin oil. And then the stuff that Lauren is saying, I would also, if there's EMF, get grounding bags. And at least get one large one. And what you can do... Yeah, and SRT. There you got yours on you. Um, yeah, those are the two that I talk about: SRT technology and grounding bags. And um, yeah, that that's where I would go with that. And then the last thing, oils. If you're having a, a nosebleed of your child, is um, I use cypress. You can also, I think, mm. some will use geranium. Um, and they, uh, you can dilute it, especially with the child, and it's right there in a sensitive skin area. Um, I just put it like basically like right here. Um, you don't want right to go the, back like, with right on the head. bridge of the nose. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, on the bridge of the nose. <laughs> yeah. Obviously this isn't necessarily being shown anywhere. Yeah. Um, I could see you, but they can't. <laughs> and so on the bridge of a nose, you don't want to go back with your head. You want to go forward. Um, and, and so you don't want to like put all the blood back in your, in your head. You want it to be able to drain out. Um, you can obviously put some pressure, like a gentle pressure, um, like with some type of like tissue or whatever you have available. Um, but I did find that um, I was having some bloody noses when I lived in my, another house. Um, mm. And um, I, I put, uh, I put, I think I did Cypress and it helped almost immediately. 
Awesome. I've, I've never used it like that. So that's a really cool. Uh, I'm sure there's a Vervita oil that would be helpful with one of those in there, but I use, um, I've used it. You can use Cypress for hemorrhoids too. Oh, okay. All right. Well noted. If I ever have hemorrhoids, I, I can think of Cypress. That's one of those more top uh, topical things. <laughs> Obviously for hemorrhoids, you have other solutions and there are more internal <laughs> solutions that are needed, but diluted, obviously if you're using on your rectum, you want yeah. to dilute yeah. it. Dilute it. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't, don't. I, mean, I, I didn't tell you not, I didn't tell you to, to, not, to dilute it. <laughs> That'd be an interesting ER visit. I mean, that would hurt. Um, so yeah. don't do that. Um, dilute it with that. And that, when I, when I say that, I get that question a lot. When I say that, I mean like coconut oil, jojoba oil, any type of like olive oil would be fine. You can make suppositories yeah. with them, uh, things like that. And so you want a fatty oil like that, not another essential oil and not water. Water does not dilute. Yeah. Water does not dilute oil. It That's separates. Nice. Yes. Correct. Um, all right. We have 15, about 10 more minutes, three more questions that I wrote down. Right. Next one, Tinea vesicolor. Which again, similar to perioral dermatitis, uh, I'm going to give a, a simple answer. Um, I find that it is obviously fungal, mm-hmm. um, and I use Malia Supreme Black Cumin Oil, and then I also use Vervita Immune Harmony Essential Oil in baths with Epsom salt. Love it, love it. Um, I feel like we're saying black cumin oil a lot again. Yep, <laughs> you did yep. last, last episode too. Um, I did. That is, it's that good. It's that good. Yep. Um, anything else on that? Or do you want to go next? Yeah. Simple. I mean, I would just say if you don't have Malia at home and you have golden bread, give it a shot. Yeah. Or if you have scutellaria, give it a shot. Um, yep. I wouldn't necessarily mean like you don't have to like go out and buy something new. Um, but I do think that, you know, obviously I, I, I tend to tolerate Malia better than golden bread. Um, yeah, same. so, um, I think Malia is a good one to have around. Um, and and yeah. if you have olive leaf on hand, as we talked about, if you have Mirinda, those yeah. also are antifungal. Um, I just find that Malia is a little more potent antifungal uh, than the other two. Yeah. And yeah. there's like other things that I, that you can do topically. I can put a couple in the show notes. I know I didn't do that last week. I need to go back and edit those notes. Um, but I will, um, I will, put them in there. Like there's a lot you can do topically, but topically it's just going to take forever to, mm-hmm. it, it might help with the symptoms. So like if you're yeah. itching, sh- I, that's where I would use the topical stuff. Yeah. Um, like tea tree in the immune harmony is great. Yeah, yeah. But like you obviously do need to go um, internal with these things too. Yeah. You can't just expect with ringworm or any type of tinea to really get after it. Um, ringworm maybe was a small spot topically, mm-hmm. But typically any type of fungal issue, like on your toes, on the head, you're going to need internal. And even from a conventional medicine standpoint, that's what they do too. Um, They will do topical for small stuff, but typically like for like the tinea capitis, for the head, for the toes, for um, the versicolor, that you do a strong antifungal that's really hard on the liver. Um, And you need liver enzymes to even take it. Um, And so it is, these herbs are not like that. They are more harmonizing for the body. And, um, and so I would say to go internal for the most part, um, as well, along with the topical. I agree. Um, all right, final two. And you were saying that you get this one all the time. High ferritin. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't think that conventional medicine cares about this at all. Like, correct. I don't think they care. Um, I, if you see your ferritin is like 150, 200, mm-hmm. like that's high. Yeah. Uh, right. 300. Yeah. That's high. 
Um, yep. And that means inflammation, right? Is that, is yep. that a good one word response? Yeah, it's, it, it's what we call an acute phase reactant. And so similar to how in the presence of inflammation, vitamin D lowers, ferritin increases. And so there's a few different, and depending on who you talk to, we'll have different ranges for functional ranges. And, um, you know, in back when I first started learning functional medicine, the range was 10 to 226. Um, and then when I started uh, talking with people who are in clinical practice and who are um, from the DABC program, which is the Diplomate of um, Internal Medicine, Chiropractic Internal Medicine, uh, and some of those folks, they had a much more narrow range. And that was between some people would say 30 to 70 and other people would say 40 to 80. So I just go with 30 to 80. If you yeah. are above 80, then there is inflammation in the body. And if you're below 30, I take that as a sign of malabsorption, leaky gut. Yeah. Yeah. And typically parasites are going to be a factor. With yes. All that. Totally. Um, but with, I mean, if you're at a hundred and you have nothing else going on, I'm not going to like stress, but I might Correct. consider maybe upping antioxidants um, and just black, black cumin oil. Huh? <laughs> Black cumin oil. No, there you go. Um, uh, <laughs> it is honestly. Whenever someone says, "Hey, my ferritin's in the dumpster, and I have all these iron issues," I'm like, "Black cumin oil." There you go. Um, no, really. I it, during pregnancy, iron issues. Black cumin oil. Totally, totally. Um, one year old with with iron issues. Black cumin oil. Um, yep. And other things. There's other things you can do for each of these things. But I think it's helpful to know that that is such a versatile. Thing that is I like I like how you said that too. You said um if it's just like you know a hundred and it's not crazy high and everything else is good, like we have to start thinking when you just like when you look at your methylation and your MTHFR, mm -hmm. similar to that, you have to start looking at the whole picture because it paints a picture. And there's so many times where people are like, Hey, well, I have MTHFR. I say, okay, well, you, you know, that's what your gene says, but is it expressing itself? And here is one that's going to make even, you know, people think even more. When I run methylation protocols on people with muscle testing, MTHFR is not even in the top four ones that show up as the biggest issues for people. Vitamin D receptor, by far number one in my practice. Number two, COMT gene, which is how you degrade all your hormones and stuff. And after that is the salt gene in the liver, which that dumps into. Those three, for me personally, in my patient population, test nine times out of 10 more than MTHFR ever does. And yeah, that's I my rant. I was talking to somebody about this yesterday who was like, why do I have low... Um low activity on my MTHFR. Like, what does this mean? I don't have MTHFR, but the gene is still has low activity. And I was like, well, just because you do have MTHFR doesn't mean you methylate better or worse than somebody who doesn't have MTHFR. Correct. You can have MTHFR and still methylate better than somebody who doesn't have MTHFR. And that has to do with deficiencies, toxicities, all of that. Like it all plays a role. And we've talked about that with our methylation podcast with Dr. Yep. Charlie's methylation video. So like really, if you're confused by that, go listen to those. It is, um, it's really hard to understand methylation is a very involved process, but I will tell you like, just because I don't really honestly care. Like I, I care how well your gene is expressing and totally. that is the study of epigenetics. If you want to look into it further. Yeah. And one thing that I'll also say, and this may offend some people is <laughs> one of the, <laughs> 
And everyone's like, I can't wait to hear what comes after that when Charlie says something like that. Um, is when it comes to like the HLA autoimmune genes and stuff like that. And the people who are like, well, I have this and that's why my histamine is up. And I'm, and I'm like, okay, but now you're giving too much power to genetics and not enough to epigenetics. And your histamine issue is not because you have that because you have toxicity that's creating that. And we have to take care of the toxicity to help the gene express itself more efficiently. And then you're, you will degrade histamine more appropriately. And it's the same concept as when we just talked about your mental stress is making you sick. You're di- yeah. like when you think that much about the, if you are exposed to the tiniest bit of corn that you are, you know, going into full blown autoimmune response, like that, that mindset is more detrimental to your immune system than what you're actually caring about. If that makes sense. Yeah. I, I, I heard it. Was it you who said recently, like you're giving your power away. Yeah. You're giving your power away. Yeah. Like you're giving your power away. If you care, if this is like the focus of like, I have MTHFR. So what do I do about this? Like, well, like, no, like what about all the other factors that are affecting how well you're expressing? Yeah. We we used to do a health class in California, and I would always say in the when we talked about NET is we can't ever change what's ever happened to you emotionally, but what we can change is the way that your nervous system processes it. And the goal is to take away power from stuff that doesn't deserve power any longer in your life, and that goes totally across the board for all other health issues as well. Gosh, I love that. I love that so much. <laughs> yeah. The health classes in California that um, I ended up doing three out of the four every month um, were some of the, it was a hundred percent question and answer and then demos. So literally what, what my Instagram is, is an extension of doing those health classes for years. Um, and uh, some of the best healing always happened at there because not because they were getting treated, but because their perception was changed and they saw it in such a different light that they could never go back to their old train of thought. And still, I, I had so many patients that would bring friends to the class and reattend it five times. And, and a lot of the sayings that I would say were similar. Obviously, the questions would differ, um, but it was always such a breath of fresh air to be in that that room where people would, would you can see a light bulb go off in their head when you would say a quote that would make their whole concept of medicine totally shift. And so I'm forever grateful for doing those classes, even though they were long days from 9 a.m. And then I wouldn't get home till 10 p.m. Uh, yeah. But they, yeah, it was a long day, long day, but definitely something that uh, uh, had so much impact on people that uh, I'm grateful that I was a part of it. So, all right, last question. And we got pretty much a minute left uh, before it's about an hour long podcast, uh, which is eye floaters. Get this question all the time. And here's a simple answer for it uh, is the liver opens up into the eyes in Chinese medicine. And so when you have your liver that is congested, whether it is through um, infections and blood sugar dysregulation are the two most common, uh, obviously, if you are drinking alcohol a ton, that is a, a big trigger to fatty liver. That might be it. You might want to start with that one. Maybe not the uh, parasite cleanse. Maybe it's the bottle of wine that you drink at night that we might just have to stop doing for a little while. Um, but Back what it bottle. does... Don't yeah. attack the wine bottle. You might have some <laughs> angry people. Okay. Yeah. Everyone's that like, I didn't care about what you said It's before. not just about wine. It's 
it's about sugar, the sugar, the amount of sugar, the it's different wine than was around 200, 300, 400 years ago. There's a whole big thing. Tons yeah, of pesticides the, in it. All the pesticides. It's the only drink that doesn't really have to put what's in it on the label. So that should tell you something. And when you drink the better dry farm and, and the biodynamic wines, and I'm going to be straight up with you guys. And in my opinion, they don't taste nearly as good. Maybe one that I've had did. They don't taste nearly as good as, you know, reserve wines that are full of pesticides. That should tell you what goes into making those wines. If you can't replicate the amazing flavor of a lot of pesticide ridden red wines and, and all that stuff. So, um, yeah, so stop that. If that's, what, okay. if that's your thing. So back to the eye floaters, you were yeah, saying so let me, let, let, liver. <laughs> yes. So your liver purifies and circulates your blood. And so if the liver is toxic, then you don't have pure blood uh, or purified blood. And then it's hard to get to the eyes to nourish the eyes. And so floaters, um, this is actually what my aunt, who's an optometrist, told me that floaters is when the cells of the eyes are trying to reproduce quickly and people will get floaters. And so from my perspective, that is a uh, a liver issue because the blood's not purified to give good nutrients to help uh, nourish those eyes. And so what I personally find is a lot of mycotoxins and fungal mold issues in the liver that create that. Now it could be anything, but that's just my personal experience is, uh, is that. Yeah. And I think we've said mycotoxins and mold a couple of times this episode. I want to reiterate, if you are living in a whole home with mold, do not fear your home and think your home is out to get you because then you will not heal if you are at a state of fight or flight. If Correct. you are, it, it's not just the mold. Like it's also our, like our, uh, it's all, it's all of it. And so yeah. it's not just the mold. Don't like stress about that, but also know that like the mycotoxins can be an issue. Absolutely. And so again, you know, that you're like, okay, so what do I do? I would start with something along the lines of black cumin oil dun, 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 <laughs> and, and, uh, Takasumi, like a good binder and just see if, if that helps the floaters and then do control the controllables. Like we said, if, if you're, if your diet's off, start with that. If yeah. you're uh, drinking uh wine or other alcohol, and it's like your way of having two drinks a night where it calms you, I would start with that. That'd probably be numero uno because that's going to cause blood sugar dysregulation and fatty liver. And then when the liver's fatty, then it's not going to regulate your blood sugar even more. And now you're going to get uh, blood deficiency, which is what they say in Chinese medicine in America uh, or uh, in current day, we usually say anemia of some sorts, very similar concept. Um, but yeah, so that's what I would do with eye floaters. And anemia uh, that might not necessarily mean low hemoglobin yet. Correct. Because the parameters, remember that episode we did with Emily Morrow, the parameters are off in this country. They're based off of a sick population. You need yep. to look at all of the parameters of the blood work of the CBC to really know if you have an anemia picture. So don't just go off of, oh, my hemoglobin's fine. Okay. Yep. Totally. Yeah. So that is what I have. Uh, is there anything else you want to add before you say your favorite end of the no, each episode saying on eye floaters. I think that that is great. I can add something for eye watering. Um, I, my okay. eyes are not my thing, but eye watering, um, like constant eye watering. There are, uh, I could say some more things on that, but no, I'm not going to go into that right now. Um, uh, <laughs> but eyes are not my thing. All right. Uh, this is not medical advice. This is meant to be educational. Please speak with your healthcare provider before changing anything. Thank you all for tuning in and we'll see you all on the next one.